For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100, and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. The party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. Ah! Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Welcome to an On The Whistle Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Uh, tonight, I am joined um, by Matt. Hi, Pete. And Johnny. How you doing, mate? You all right? No, no, actually, I'm not. No, my <laughs> girlfriend, um, as I was coming into the room after like lining up the four drinks I've got ready to take the show, she's like, is there anything I can do for you? I was like, pray for me. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny and Matt are deservedly coming for me. Um, so, you know, this is going to be, um, this is going to be a rough podcast for me in particular. Um, you know, Arteta is out of the Europa League in disgraceful fashion. I, I, I'm going to start this, take the edge off it a little bit, but I've got to hold my hands up. I was wrong about Mikel Arteta. He disgraced himself today. He does not deserve to keep his job. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, like this is a, this is a start again. Like get, get them all out, get Edu out and, uh, and reset with a better vision. So um, let's go over to the, you know, that was me taking the hot take. Um, Johnny, like, what's your hot take on that? Well, my hot take is also on what you've just done there, and that is that you've kneeled in front of the firing squad and pulled out your pistol and got in there before, but got in there before they could even take aim. Um, and you know, I respect that to a certain extent, in the sense that you've at least admitted um, kind of the error of your ways uh, in terms of your support for Arteta at this stage. But I think that the writing's on, you know, the writing's on the wall. It doesn't need me to say, but to formalise it. It's obviously Arteta out now. I mean, this isn't just a fad. This isn't knee-jerk. It's not clickbait. How can you, anyone watch what's going on and think that that is even a little bit acceptable? It's dog shit after dog shit. We've been terrible for a long time now, and I've been constantly excusing it under the pretense that if we win the Europa League, which I would have stood by, then he would have deserved to keep his job. Well, he hasn't won it. But... To really, because now, and I think we need to do it in this pod, so it could be a five-hour podcast, but start really looking back at some of the decisions he's taken during the, uh, well, during his his managerial career at Arsenal, and without the kind of get out of jail free card of European Cup success, you have to look at those decisions and think, 
he's been making shocking decisions for a very, very long time. And people have been trying to sell us for far too long. Oh, we've got to look at the positives. Oh, when you weigh it all out, um, you know, there are some things that we can focus on getting better. And oh, didn't we beat Leicester away? Well, I tell you what, that dream's over now. Okay. We're a shit team. We're in ninth. We could end up 10th, 11th. I don't care. I'm not even paying attention to the rest of the games. I'm absolutely disgusted. But it's not just the result. It's the manner of the result. And to go down to Unai Emery, a man who was hounded, hounded out of the Emirates for essentially losing the faith of the players. The player's not playing for you. And and he's done an Unai Emery on us. He's come to the Emirates and went, I'll get a nil-nil out of you. You're an absolute disgrace. And you get his P45 time, Mikhail. You do not deserve to be the Arsenal manager. You, you, you said that I just executed myself. Well, why do I feel every single one of those bullets ripping through my soul? Oh, Unai Emery. Uh, Matt... Uh, it's a big one to top there. Uh, give us give us your hottest take on the events that just unfolded. Yeah, well, was it Austin Wenger who always used to say, judge me at the end of the season? That was his line, right? Well, we're, we are now at the end of the season. The season is over and Mikel Arteta will be judged and it won't be pretty because um, we've seen zero progress uh, this season from where we were at the end of last season. At the end of last season, we saw structured passages of play, increased focus, increased discipline, uh, red-hot intensity. And since this season started, we've seen very little intensity, very little structured passages of play, chopping and changing the team structure seemingly every other game. And it really came to a head in these two games because we were completely and utterly outclassed by Villarreal over two legs. We basically had, they, they gave everyone a lesson in nullifying us. We had two shots on target uh, today or even over, the, even over the two legs, I think it might be two shots on target. Um, we were an absolute joke. The false nine in the first game was, we, we came out of that and we said we escaped, but we can't do any of this, this Man City, you know, jiggery pokery and then what do we see in this game another sort of you know uh, structure straight out of man city you know uh the but instead of fernandinho and uh, gundogan and all those guys we had Partey as a solo midfielder he got completely overrun coquelin ended up man of the match probably coquelin francis coquelin unai emery beasted arteta and it's just I mean, where do we go from here? The club is is rotten from top to bottom. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I've been getting all sorts of like little drips of intel, and it's usually a bad sign when people um, are leaking. And I, I, I had a a feeling tonight was coming because there's, you know, Arteta has is not delivering behind the scenes either. I, I think he's um, lost a lot of those. Uh, management principles that he spoke about you know like a corporate ceo and i was a bit worried that was going to happen and the you know we can all take losing in a semi-final we've lost uh, you know plenty of semi-finals plenty of quarterfinals plenty of finals in the past but the manner of defeat the way those players went out on that pitch players that threw their bodies on the line against liverpool last season against manchester city in the semi-final against chelsea in the final those players went out on that pitch today and they were absolutely 
petrified, absolutely petrified. Um, you had some players that um, that looked like you know Hector Bellerin, like you know Matt. You called for him last week. I think today he showed why he shouldn't have played. He was a disgrace. Um, but it's uh, to if 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 players are scared, if players don't look like they know what they're doing, that is generally a manager issue. And the fact that actually last season it looked that you know that. The only thing that you could say about Arteta is things look organized. It's, you know, it's not a lack of progress this season that's the problem. It's that we've regressed. We've regressed with better players. That starting 11 was a good starting 11. Loads of creativity, excitement. That was a bang, bang starting 11. If Arsene Wenger had put that starting 11 out, we would have won 5-2. No doubt in my mind. And Arteta put it out and they could barely muster a shot on target. It is absolutely disgraceful and I don't understand how someone that can come from from the Pep Guardiola school of thinking can not you know build a team that can create chances with really good creative players so I don't know where we go from here but my my worry is that as always we'll make the decision late and we'll roll on to December like we did with Unai Emery but this is this is Unai Emery a game early as far as I'm concerned you know you're bang on with what you're saying there first of all you know I think as fans, when we try and analyse the game, too much importance sometimes can be placed on the starting lineup. I mean, sometimes it, it, it's with due course. Like, there'll be a real anomaly in there. Willian getting games after he's been awful for ages or whatnot. But a lot of the time, you pick the players, the formation, whatever way you think it's going to work best. Um, and sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. It doesn't mean you get excused for picking the wrong lineup all the time. But I'm just saying that sometimes it goes that way. But what you cannot forgive is whatever players you put out there, and today's lineup, as we said, was a pretty good one, their application has to be there. Otherwise, I'm sorry, that's coming straight at the manager's door. It, it is incumbent on the manager to prepare our players properly for each game so that they start the game with the right level of intensity. When you're in a semi-final and you are 2-1 down, you know, what's the one thing that you know has to happen? You have to score a goal. Now, when you're getting like, well, I don't even know whether it was one shot in the first half or it didn't take it, it took us to the second half to get a shot on target. You know, that is something where there is something intrinsically wrong with the way we are setting up, with the way that we are being coached uh, and the way that we are playing ultimately. I thought uh, a player that embodied this um scared, petrified nature that you um, talked about, Pete, was Pepe. He, he, he looked confused, and, and that's the nicest way I could say it. He looked like he didn't know what he was meant to do. You know, he's picking the ball up at the end of flowing moves from Arsenal, and we didn't have many, but he was just thinking, shall I run him? Shall I put the ball in? And then ended up slowing the play down, passing backwards. And if it, the one thing you could always say, because we... Actually, you know, we're in this weird position of being coached by the opposing manager. So the one thing you know about an Unai Emery team is that you can get caught on the break because we used to get hit all the time. But when you're when we're hitting them on the break today and then it's hitting Pepe and then we're slowing down, we're not playing the balls quick enough in the final third. And that's why we're so easy to defend against. And we played into Unai's hands. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, it's a real kicker to get done by Unai because, again, it's like... It, it, Players not not being able to get a turn out of players against a dead game for West Ham, I can, I can 
kind of understand. But when you've got Champions League football on the horizon, a massive bonus, you've got an ex-manager none of you could stand and that you downed uh, and you're at home in a semi-final and you still can't pluck up the the energy or, or the courage. Like there was no courage in that side. And the crazy thing is we know that that side has courage within it. Those are top, top players um, that are left wanting against like really a really feeble team. That goalkeeper, you know, th- that goalkeeper was abysmal. Like we should, we should have been shooting on sight. The, 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 what, what is our set piece coach? up to our set piece our set piece coach should have had long looping balls into the box remember when uh, Fabianski was Flappianski and Sam Allardyce was making his players shoot from corners they were literally shooting from corners we should have been doing that today none of that so there's no intelligence in the play um like we've lost all of that greed you know that Alexis Sanchez greed having 18 19 shots like, where was that today? Where was that shoot on site mentality? And uh, what, where was um, some sort of feeling for the moment? Like, who wanted to be a hero out there today? No one. And that's Arteta's fault. That is Arteta's fault that he can send a limp side out like that. Uh, and, you know, o- o- Obama Yang looked like a guy that had lost four kilos because he's got malaria. And I think that he's not up to his physical peak. And we know he's a confidence player. And again, it's like when, you're, when your captain is, uh, is that quiet on the pitch, it's difficult to move forward. But then you're looking around and you're like, who else could have been captain today? That Nobody on that yeah. pitch looked like they wanted to be there. I mean, the whole, there's so many problems right from top to bottom. Uh, you know, Aubameyang looks exhausted. Martinelli, you know, it's it's Anteta is under so much pressure for not playing this guy. We played Emil Smith Rowe in a false nine last week. We could have played Martinelli up top. Uh today we needed driving determination. Martinelli c- comes on with half an hour to go. He's clearly the guy for driving determination. Why is he not starting? You know, and then that midfield was just an absolute horror show in the way it was structured. Smith Rowe just wasn't set up for success. There was nothing to really build on. He had a couple of moments. Erdegaard has basically had a good 30 minutes, good first half against, uh, or second half against West Ham. And now he's thinking about getting back to Madrid. You know, he doesn't look up for it. Uh, he, looked like the, he looked like the player Zidane hates. Yeah. He looked he? lost. Just, he looked lost. He, nothing. No personality. Like Ozil Mark II, but with, you know, without the, the one season of amazing assists. And, and, and the really horrible thing, and then, and then you know, Partey is, you know, he, he's, not, he's had a very poor season. Um, and he's had a whole season now. Um, I know with injuries, but you know, it just seems like everyone who comes to Arsenal turns to shit. Uh, <laughs> like we've, we've done it. Do you remember how many good centre halves have come to Arsenal, and then we just literally turn them into we, we clone Stepanovs and turn them <laughs> all into that? And it's like we're doing that at the moment. It's like the Arsenal DNA is so weak. It's like got missing chromosomes, <laughs> and they and, and like as soon as the players get in, like they just they just default to you know the stink that's coming out the the club at the moment. Yeah, it, you, you, you're you're so right. It really is. We, Arsenal have a habit of two things. We have a habit of if there's a player who hasn't scored in 15 years and you know is incredibly low on confidence he plays arsenal and i guarantee you he's going to have a royal rovers match that's one thing we do and the other thing is we bring in players who 
are credible players, have had credible careers, and we put them in the grinder. And then they literally <laughs> end up like mince me. It's dreadful. And I, I, I do think that you made a good point there, Matt, as well, because it kind of takes on the point I was initially making about, um, you know, the fact that everyone can differ on views on what the starting lineup should be, but the application that the team set out with, it, it, it's not up, for, it can't be up for debate. It has to be high intensity, high pressure, especially when the storyline is set out the way it is. Now, whilst I would say, you know, there isn't, there isn't always a need to be a huge focus on the personnel. We have a player in our in our squad who, within himself, within in, within his innate ability, what he brings to the team is pressing, high intensity, you, you know, energy, pace. Like that is what he brings every single game. That's what he brings. Just like you know, Jimmy Jimmy Floyd Hasselbrank brought, brought with him a hard shot. That is his attributes. And that is Martinelli. So if you want to press high, if you want to put the opponents under pressure, there can't really be another solution if Martinelli's fit. He has to play in that team. And to be honest, I didn't mind the lineup, but, you know, for me, you're always going to get criticised when Martinelli doesn't play in that situation um, because... If you don't set out with that high intensity, then it looks like a glaring mistake. But even then, you, you know, even if you don't start him after half, an, you know, a half of football where we've looked that timid and that placid, you have to get him on straight away. And you know, I thought he he looked dangerous when he came on, but I just I just thought that we were set up mentally in the completely wrong way to go about our task today. And the other thing is that. Uh... You know, we, we've been focused on the Europa for so long, right? I mean, realistically, last two months of league football have been a complete fucking waste of time. And what I don't understand why we weren't using that period of time to go and test out systems and players. So we come into these games with like a really clear point of view on how we want to play, who our best 11 is. Because we've played two systems in two semifinals that we've never played before. Like, that's the bit that, like, like, we've had all these league games that are dead rubbers that don't mean anything. We lost them anyway over them. So why, why didn't we just play a false nine in one of them to just to see if we could do it? Or why didn't we try and play we could have just played? We could have just played the team that beat Newcastle at the weekend that had 19 shots and five on target. Could have just played that team today, exactly the same formation, and probably would have gone through. The, the the overthinking was uh, was was is a, a bug in his system, but but worse than that, he doesn't change. He doesn't change things. He lets it he lets it roll on. I thought the part of having a a sharp, innovative manager would be that if the system isn't working, you switch up the system. Like that, Partey was exposed all game, and he didn't change it. And then you know his first change was on sixty minutes. Uh, no, 66 minutes, even later. And then, you know, Eddie Nketiah on for Bellerin in the 91st minute. Yeah. Uh, Lacazette on for Aubameyang on, uh, in the 80th minute when you're chasing a game where you have to score a goal. It's like there wasn't a plan for the, for the, for the first ever rollout of the, the other plan going wrong. You know, I, I could have just said that a bit simpler. There wasn't a plan B if this yeah. new formation didn't work. And um, he overcomplicated it. And, and, also, you know, when he's trying these things in training, he must get vibes from players where they're like, can we just fucking keep it simple? 
like he must he must he must be able to feel that the players weren't really clicking with it because you could see it after six minutes again what sort of performance we were going to get today you could see that the players didn't really understand what they were doing and I it's unforgivable it's just unforgivable after 18 months that we're still getting these performances I, I think I think you know I agree with everything you said there, and I also um, will point the listeners' attention to the fact that Pete explained the concept of a Plan B. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> when one yeah. thing's not going well, you could have something else. That um, was our tesser, right? <laughs> Take, was taking it. the more complicated option. <laughs> that, exactly. So, so Pete, let let let's you know get get down to it, okay? Because um, you know. You, you, in all of Arsenal fandom uh, and the yep. those that choose to analyse the games in the club, you were a massive, massive um, proponent of Arteta being given the opportunity in the first place, um, a yep. champion of his in the early days. And it's it's gone wrong. We know it's gone wrong now. Um, it didn't fill me with glee, but it's it's a it's a car crash out there. Yeah. What what is the what's the hardest thing for you? Well, two things. One. When did you really, even though it's been formalised now, when did you know the jig was up and it was over? And two, what part of the dream not working hurts the most with him specifically? What has he let you down the most with? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult question. I'm trying to think of when, when was the moment where I thought he might not be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was wondering when. I, 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 think I've got, I think we've had a vibe for a while um, the things weren't going. I, I think when um, when the bad luck run turned into bad performances, you know, it, it were my my view at Christmas was like, if you get out of this rut, you cannot have a rut like this again. And we mm. had a few bad results, and then um, then the performances started to dip, and then players started to get injured, and then the bad decisions just rolled and rolled and rolled. And I, I, you know, I I don't regret the idea of Arteta. I think um, when you are a club of limited resources, you have to try new innovative things. And the the biggest worry off the back of this Arteta idea is that we will swing the pendulum the other way. And uh, we, you know, the, the vision of what Arteta has for Arsenal is the correct one. Um, possession-based, uh, possession-based football, um, like future-facing coaching, like that. That idea of that type of football is where the game is going. It's the correct idea, but the execution um, done by a, a rookie coach who lacks self-reflection um, um, and lacks controls was a uh, you know it, it undone him. I think that if Mikel Arteta had someone like Ralph Ranić at the club stopping him from making bad decisions. I think things might have been different. I think if he had been promoted to a manager, things might have been different. But if you're going to take a chance on precocious talent, you can't have a rookie CEO and you can't have a rookie technical director. And we've got all three. And this is this is basically what happens when you've got no leadership at a club. We're, we're letting the most junior person at the club run the show. And that's been a disaster because his ego is clearly out of control. He's surrounded himself with yes-men that aren't delivering or stopping him uh, from doing stupid things like playing a, a false nine when you've got Martinelli. Um, and my, my big concern is that you're gonna, who are you going to put in that's going to counter 
this absolute fucking disaster of Arsenal because Vinay is weak. You know, we saw we saw his little parade round after the Super League failed. It was embarrassing. It was like beta male stuff. Edu has no original ideas and is not a, a, a leader. And he's let this get out of control. And um, we still have a squad of players that, that are badly damaged. Right. It's a mess. It's a mess of players. You know, like sometimes you just need to leave an environment because there's too many bad memories. So um, I'm, I'm disappointed in Arteta. I think a lot of this is not about technical proficiency. It's about it's, it's the it's the soft side of the game. It's not binning Saliba uh, and treating him badly. It's not um, it, it's not having one rule for uh, William and another rule for Martinelli. I think there's um, so much that is his fault. Um, and I think that maybe it's just a personality thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm devastated because, you know, you want to see Arsenal do well. And I thought it was a good idea. And you know what? Like sometimes ideas had the best of intentions. They don't work out. I'm not going to stick by it. It failed. And, um, you know, that's on me. I've got to go back. I've got to think about how I behave on the <laughs> internet now. I've got to step out of the opinion game for the next manager and just, just let another blogger take the hit for the next time. <laughs> Um, look, I mean, to be honest, you, you kind of said it well there. I, I think that um, whilst the internet does clamour for pounds of flesh a lot of the time, I, I don't think, you know, anyone should feel bad about having an opinion on who the manager should be. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I can well, tend to have a problem with someone when they double down on a bad choice. I think it's glaringly obvious now that Arteta isn't right. But to to push back on a couple of things here, first of all, with respect, you you went down the Arteta route. This was the thing that those of us that weren't convinced by Arteta in the first place were talking about. When we say a coach with a lack of experience, you know, it means that if things start slipping away, players stop seeming interested, you, you have a couple of difficult games, you get some injuries. This is what being an experienced coach um you know, benefits you in like you can you can you can think of how you got through it at a lower level or in a different way. Whereas Arteta looks really naive, and that is what this situation really kind of has shown for me or highlighted. It seems to be a naivety through uh, his you know junior status in the managerial game. And uh, don't get me wrong, I still think it was worth a punt at that stage, especially after we went down the Emery route. You know, as as we'll go on to kind of. Uh, look at in the weeks I'm sure so often the managerial appointments are antidotes to the previous appointment it's like that didn't work so we'll we'll have to go the opposite way and do something completely different you know and if you look at Emery the football got so stale um, and we were so rigid that we went oh why can't we why don't we look for a Guardiola 2.0 well guess what Arteta ain't Guardiola do one now. No way, mate. Not a chance. And the reality is now we we might easily look for someone far more. I, I do think that... I think you're completely right in terms of the way that we should set up. It should stay, you know, being fast, dynamic of football that we are using to... you. We are building around young players. But we absolutely need a coach who can work in spite of poor ownership, in spite of you know, a lack of leadership above them. They need to be single-minded, have proven success, and to be able to come in and be familiar with the English game and go, go, go. Uh, but, but I think that's the, I think there's two things, right? The first one is we're talking like he's going to go, and I don't think he will. I think he'll keep his job, and I think we'll see him at the beginning of next season. 
because I think the current group of people have got no interest in changing things. They've, they've always said that the, the, the vision is to keep it exactly as is. So I think that's going to remain exactly, exactly as is. It's just going to be the way it is. Uh, the second piece is what you're asking for. It doesn't exist. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think it exists. I don't think there's, there's anyone out there who can do that. You know, you look at, at Tuchel's success in what he's doing at the moment, but it's because, you know, there's a winning mentality in the club. They spent 250 million or whatever it was last summer. You know, the, the even when they're not interested, even when the board at board level they're not interested, they're still interested. They've got Peter Cech, who's you know was terrible for us in my opinion, but like he's a better technical. Di- You'd rather have him running being a technical director because you know he's an asshole. He's going to make sure that things happen when they happen. We've got Edu, he just looks soft. So you know, I think we've just got to accept that what we're looking for is. And then we've got to take the learnings from what we've seen and go, there is no single person who can do it all. That's what they hoped with Arteta. And then he won the cup and then they made him manager because they thought he was that person. And then it became clear that there's just no all, one can do it. All, all the it, hottest managers in the world, all of them, there's no exception, have world-class infrastructure around them. Yeah. Nagelsmann can survive at Leipzig because the system was built with him in mind almost you know he come up through the rankings and they surround him with people that stop him making bad decisions Nagelsmann said after the semi-final of the Champions League last season he was like we need a different profile of player to really help take us to the next level over the age of you know 26 but you know Ralph Ranić won't have it because you slam you slam those things down Um, well also it's it's this it's I'll tell you the story that happened to me it's we have these sort of myths and stories in our head. And, and someone once said, I was with a group of people and they said, when are you like at your best? And everyone was like, oh, yeah, I'm at my best when, you know, I'm really challenged. I'm really pushed. I'm at my best when my back's against the wall and I'm given something really. And the guy turned around and goes, it's a load of bullshit. That's <laughs> not when it, it, no one's at their best when they've got limited resources. They're under a lot of pressure. They've inherited a load of crap. They're at their best when someone is taking care of all the crap that you don't have time for or want to do. They're at their best when they've got a lot of time and they're at their best when they've got an absolute sack full of cash. And that's sort of half the problem, which is we're not really setting anyone up for success and bringing in another manager. I don't think there's anyone out there within the current structure that we have now who can succeed in this job. I think it's just going to be a a merry-go-round of, of of crap and and it, it's just it's just sad and so fundamentally the only way out of this cycle is to change ownership because that's the only way we're going to get a complete reboot of the whole management team you know i was saying if daniel Eck and these guys came in do you think uh edu and vinai would be on their like top top 50 list of best footballing ceos and best best technical directors they wouldn't even be on the top 50 uh, but even then like we do that and it's like you know we're going to end up with Vieira or Henri as manager you know that's why that's part of some deal that they've cut <laughs> like it's even then it's it's there's just it's depressing because there's no way yeah, out we need you know what we need a proper CEO like Beppe, yeah. Beppe Marotta 
uh, was at Juventus. They won, they won all the leagues. Uh, he goes to Inter Milan. He installs Conte as a coach. He does the wheeler and dealering and Inter Milan now uh, uh, Serie A champions. Like we don't, we don't have anybody in those positions. And um, we, with regards to manager as well, like we, we were genuinely sniffing around Roberto Martinez last time. That was a proper conversation. That is the level of manager that comes in next. And Johnny, the only thing that I will say about experience, and look, I, I know that Arteta has failed badly, but Tottenham thought that they had a kingmaker manager when they signed Mourinho. Everton thought they had a kingmaker manager when they signed Carlo Ancelotti. And it's been drabbed there as well. So it's like, I don't know, I don't know whether there is a, I don't know whether there's a silver bullet out there. And if there is, we certainly don't have the talent within the club to f- identify it and then protect it and service it in the correct way. And which is so depressing. Yeah. I mean, I, Oh, what you and Matt have said, I don't disagree with. We, we've spoke long on this pod about the fact that infrastructure is absolutely key to long-term success, and I, I wouldn't question that. We've, you know, we, we'd said, we've talked about Ralph Rangnick and uh, and people like that coming in, and how positive that could lead uh, be to leading us to long-term success. But the, the issue is, is I don't think that changes in the short term a need for a manager who can be quite single-minded and quite um, autonomous in the way that they set about their job, just get, doing things on their own and not needing constant help. And one of the biggest issues Arteta's had, you know, you said, oh, this is one thing I do disagree with you on in terms of um, his appraisal, and that is that, you know, there were fundamentals at play tonight that were just wrong in terms of setting a team up. But this does come down to Saliba being driven out of the club. This does come down to Martinelli not getting a fair shake at the stick, Balogun not being able to play in weeks. Arteta's infrastructure um, and, and the way that certain players can end up on the wrong side of it, it all speaks to Arteta's judgment. And his judgment has been so poor for such a long time now. It's actually, I think, the biggest red flag when I think about him as a coach. His judgment is just off with so many things. And... For me, I would rather have an Ancelotti than Arteta. I really would. I think he, they, they maybe haven't progressed as far as what they would have hoped, but I think they've progressed more than what we have. Like you said, we've regressed. Um, but I think that one of the biggest issues that we've um, kind of had with Arteta during his tenure is the ability or the lack of ability to... You know, and and again, obviously, we know that if if a proper director of football was in, this might be taken off his plate. But in, in light of not having one, and you know, Edu's got it right a few times. He was the guy who signed Martinelli, after all. You know, and I think he's been uh, widely appreciated by the Arsenal fans. I think that um, you know, we need a manager who knows what they're doing in the transfer market, knows um knows what play no can look at a squad knows what kinds of players we need to plug in to just get to our base level which is just being able to be consistently challenging for top four and and that doesn't fill me with joy saying that you know like getting back to competing for top four we should be striving for more but right now we're a fucking mile off that and that's just just absolutely not acceptable I've spoken long on this pod as well about the fact that one of the only things we can have as fans are our values and our standards. And our standards are in danger of dropping off a cliff here. This is a sackable offence this season. 
And if we want to pretend or profess to be a big club, he should be getting the treatment that any big club would be dishing out right now, P45s, get going. And I think that actually there's more chance of him actually getting sacked than you hinted at, Matt, purely because the board are also in survival mode and they may have to deliver ahead and they know that as well. This season is very, very easy uh, to justify a, a sacked manager well, off the back of. The, the, the good news... Uh, there are two pieces of good news that I think are exciting for the future of Arsenal Football Club if we you know, pretend that some other things aren't going on. First things first, we've got a lot of good players. We've got a lot of good, young uh, players that have the right athletic profile, the right technical profile, seem hungry, uh, get the club, pure Arsenal DNA. So that's an exciting thing for a new manager uh, yep. coming in. The second bit of good news is that um, Arsenal do have money to spend this summer. The... Uh, and the problem is that it's Edu spending the money. And the, the second problem is if Arteta is a busted flush, you don't waste another hundred million on his vision. You just exactly. don't. Exactly. And then if you get rid of Arteta and you're setting up with a new vision, you don't give Edu that money either. How many bad decisions does he have to make? How many bad decisions has he been hanging around? How much worse can things get? He's been a technical director for uh, what, Two, two seasons now, he's made some appalling decisions that were on the pitch again tonight. He's clearly not a leader because he's letting Arteta and people behind the scenes do what the fuck they want and he's not holding anyone account. So it's like there's this kind of moment like where you can get it right. You can do what Chelsea did, cut the ties with a manager, but cut the ties with a technical director and, and start afresh. Promote someone from within that's got good ideas, that's smart, that people respect. Um, and then start fresh with a new manager. But I, I just want to make sure, I want to make sure I've got no choice, but I would just like us to continue with the path because I think Arsenal fans do want to see good football. I don't want to, I don't want a, a, a Mourinho at the club. I don't want to go to negative football. Like we should be trying to play attractive, expressive football. And that means that you've got to hire a, a manager that can do that. And I like the idea of Graham Potter, but my concern is again, it's like, Arteta struggles with egos, right? Uh, Emery struggled with their egos. They saw he was weak and they downed him. Graham Potter sounds like a character from Coronation Street. And he looks like one. <laughs> um, I just don't know whether that carries. And like, do, do, you, do we need a, a superstar pair of hands to take us through? And like Carlo Ancelotti's not at the top of his game, but it's hard to disrespect what he does, right? He's still got presence, gravitas, special source, as it were. You know, he's one of the originals. So I don't, I don't even I don't know where we go with a new manager because um, if you go young and visionary, they let get... me let, let me ask this: Do we think that Arteta can recover? No, mate. No, this is done. Yeah, this is I... this is the death rattle now. Um, it's for me. You know, Pete actually put words to it, but you know, I, I certainly have the sentiment, and one of the reasons why I call for Arteta out now is that. Once it's done, it's done now. And we can't keep chucking bad money after good. Does anyone, when we talk about, when I talk about um, that his judgment is the biggest issue, does anyone really want to give all of our transfer kitty to this guy? You know what I mean? This, look at what he's done with Willian. You can't, you can't look at that situation and say, have more money. Like, it, it's, 
li- literally take all his stuff away. I'd be, li- I'd be like, hand your badge in, mate. You, I want your gun and your badge. You're done. It's over. Like <laughs> you, you're, you're gone. Um, we, we have to move past it. And, but you know, we, we talked about in the last pod, Matt, we just mentioned it and I don't want to start a big thing here anyway, but Pete brought up the name Graham Potter. What what are your views on that? And and potentially Curly Watts coming in as assistant manager. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. No. <laughs> I just don't want it. No. I, I want uh it just it feels just if you're gonna take a risk, I'd rather take a, a risk with with someone more exciting. And yeah, you know, it's the old if when Sam Allardyce said if my name was out of Dietche, I'd be managing top fourteen. Maybe there's an element of that. I'm not saying they have to be from Europe, but I want someone who's got fire in their eyes. That's my, you know, and I thought Arteta had it, but I want a Pochettino-style coach, someone who is just going to, like, not accept anything other than uh, the best. And that's what Arteta did last season, which was so great, is that he turned this fucking bunch of lazy dossers and lit a fire under their ass. And then this season the fire went out and he couldn't be bothered to light it again. It was, it was bizarre. Who's it was just, like, who is, I mean, like, and I'm not just saying this cause I'm being flippant and I, I know I said I wouldn't get involved in the next manager talk, but you will know that's a lie. Um, <laughs> who, like who, who is there uh, out there that could play uh, a nice brand of football? I mean, I, I like it, it, Conte is a rock star turns, turns teams into league winners every single time, but he's a bit temperamental and I don't know whether we're rich enough. Brendan Rodgers, bit of a whopper, but it's difficult to argue with what he's done at Leicester. But I'm still not sure he's going to push us that far forward. Like I, think, I, I don't I, know I, what I you're think, looking at. I, th- like, I think I, th- I think probably the next roll of the dice is Vieira. Oh God, no! I think that would be a, you know <laughs> absolutely not. Oh my God, no, 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 no! I don't want to see Thierry Henry. I don't want to see Dennis Burkham. I don't want to see Vieira. We got we got to f- hire someone that's had a, some some success next time. Pierre has played. He, he's he's not he's not he's got a good reputation in City. Yeah, I I, I, I actually think um, that's not an outrageous shout in terms of chances. Guys, no, in in terms of chances of it happening, I yeah. think that you know Vieira. Um, I, I personally think Vieira had a better shout at getting the job before Arteta did. I was saying it at the time. You know, the, one of the issues, whether you think our, uh, Vieira's managerial record is one to revere or not, that at least he had a managerial career. At least he had taken charge of clubs, you know, um, uh, if not as big and high profile as Arsenal. But the, I think he was more deserving of an opportunity than Arteta was in the first instance. Is it, uh, is it only just me, Johnny? Or am I the only one who looks back at Freddie and what he did in his spell and thinks, there's a guy who completely understood exactly what was going on immediately. We just didn't want to hear it. You know, he yeah, basically... He, he was steaming it. after the game, right? Yeah, you're, he, the, you're the only one, Matt. No way is Freddie the answer to these questions. No, no, no. no. I don't you're all laughing that. off Graham Potter and you're bringing up <laughs> Freddie Lundberg and Patrick Vieira. <laughs> Freddie's going to get his red hair back and take over. You know, you know it, contract. It, it, will be, it will be something incredibly <laughs> depressing won't it um but you know what I, I actually don't i actually think that what will happen is the, the club we know we know how they operate they wait until the very very last minute 
before they pull the plug on anyone. Took too long on Emery. They're going to take too long on um, yeah. on Michel Arteta, and they're I, going to let think, him spend a load of money this summer. I think I think you're right, Pete. I think they're going to absolutely they're, they're not going to want to change the manager, and they're going to give him a fucking ransom to go and rebuild, and and that just means it's fifty fifty whether he can make something happen or not. Transfer money is a reward for progress, and we have not seen progress. So it's, uh, you know, and, and then what do you do? Do you say, all right, well, we won't let you spend any money this summer and see if you can do it with this squad. That's stupid. So I, I, I don't see, I don't see how he says. And the saddest thing about it is um, when the fans come back into the stadium, Oof. if he loses more than two games in a row, he's toast. He's do, toast. Do, do you remember the European Super League where you both to a certain extent, but certainly Matt was like, no way it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I said, Literally, watch this space. It'll be it, they'll do very well to get this over line. I'm telling you now, Arteta has got a very good chance of being sacked. A really good chance. I and and it it comes from in a normal season. I'd be on your side. Like I'd regretfully be like, I don't think they're going to sack him because they've got no bottle. They feel the burn. They're getting protests. We're in a pandemic and they're getting protests outside an empty stadium every game saying conky out, conky out. They know what this, they know what's up. People want their heads. Like they've got to get out. If you keep delivering shit on the field, they yeah. know that they're going to have to give the, the fact, the baying mob a pound of flesh. It's, and it's a, it, can have no excuse. It's, it's, it's a good point. The protests, you don't get protests when you're top of the league. Yeah. No, Manchester City fans weren't protesting, were they? <laughs> I, I, but I think uh, I, I think maybe you, I think you could be right, Johnny. And um, if if I'm hearing bad things about Arteta behind the scenes, um, what sort of things are you hearing, Pete? What type of uh, that he uh, the that he's not, he doesn't have a great uh, he doesn't have a close relationship with the players. Um, he's not as collaborative. Um, as as he sort of gave off at the start, um, I'm hearing the Arrogant. like you know the the goalkeeping coach is a disaster. Bert Leno can't stand him. Um, um, you know, Emmy Martinez couldn't stand him. He's an awful goalkeeping coach. Hired in Runison because obviously you know he realized he wasn't very popular. But Arteta has let him persist, and Bert Leno was shocking again tonight. And a stand by the story: Bert Leno has asked the club to go out. Um, he's got a group of like 25-year-old coaches that sit behind the scenes. He's not surrounded himself with good people at all. The set pieces are shit. The assistant manager um, is there for comfort versus elite level experience and, and winnativity. Arteta surrounded himself with people that wouldn't challenge him. And when you do that, you have to be Arsene Wenger at his peak. You have to be... No, Alex Ferguson didn't even do that. He always surrounded himself with the freshest thinking. Uh, Mikel Arteta thought he was it. He surrounded himself with weak people. And when your chips are down, weak people let you down. And that's what's happened. So um, if, if, I'm, if I'm catching wind of, of those bits, and some of it's seeping out into the press through the players. I mean, Bert Leno said he was open to a new challenge as well. Like, you know, there's trouble. Like if if you're a loved coach and you have a bad season, like a Jurgen Klopp, um, you know he'll be back next year. But when there's um, issues going on behind the scenes, uh, like I, I think the think that those leaks mean something, and I think it, you know I think there's every chance that it could be curtains. Yeah, I, I think so. I think um, you know I think there are a number of players, and 
And and and players are funny creatures as well, you know. Gone are the days where you've got a, a player who's come through the academy and played, getting his testimonial, been there 10 years and couldn't dream of playing for anyone but Arsenal. Players are mercenaries in large part. And they also are shark-like when it comes to managers that they're not getting on with. They smell the blood in the water. And if they're having a tough time of things and a tough relationship with the manager... And then they sense the manager's in trouble, just like we saw, you know, in a high-profile situation with Mesa Ozil, where he's like, I will wait you out, because I reckon I'm going to be here longer than you are. And, yeah. and he was right, you know, yeah. uh, with Emery. And there will be players looking at Arteta now going, come off it, mate. We both know you're not going to be here in six months. And, you know, I, I think they'd be right in that instance. And when you have that, there really is no way back. I, jo- Johnny, I think that that is such an important point because at you, if you start the season with a manager you know is on thin ice, you're not there. Like the part of the beauty of Arsene Wenger was the players knew they couldn't down him, <laughs> so they might as well play because otherwise the punishment will be worse for them. These players have already downed, you know, they've downed Wenger in the end. Uh, they've downed Emery. They weren't very nice to Freddy Lundberg. And now we're getting it with Arteta. It's like, you know, all of there's almost no argument to keep him on because the football's not there. If the football was there, you say, well, you know what? Fuck you, players. We'll get you out. But the football isn't there. The performances aren't there. The the courage isn't there. So it's like, what are we holding on to? Can't get his players motivated for a semi-final of a European Cup. That is a sackable offence. Oh, yeah. And and to add to the countless sackable offences from this year. Um, you know, because after, at this point, the season's over and you can actually start to reflect on the season. And let's be honest, before Christmas, when we were losing at home to Burnley, he should have been sacked then. You know, this is a simple fact of the matter. He should have been gone then. I understand why he wasn't. And he got given one more opportunity. And when we talk about, you know, not being too knee-jerk, he shouldn't even be the manager of Arsenal anymore. What he dished up pre-Christmas was a dereliction of duty. It was so, so bad. And he got given a chance to turn it around. And what he would have had to demonstrate is progress on a long-term scale. When I say long-term, I mean for the rest of the season, we're constantly progressing. Not, you know, save a couple of odd bad games, but we can clearly see those progression lines. That's that's just not a case. We, we, we've gone um, backwards, as you pointed out earlier. And I think that ultimately, you, you know, when you, when you speak quite rightfully about the fact that if the football was there, more people would be able to forgive the sins. You can't really harp on that point too much, to be fair, but that, that ties into what most people deem as progression. If they feel that we had a game plan that everyone knew what we were trying to do into, and everyone one way or another had bought in. And if we went down swinging, I think a lot of fans could accept that. I'm not sure I could, to be fair, if you married it with a ninth place finish and out in the semi-finals of the Europa, but at least you'd have an argument. But to collapse in this way, to, to, to lose for your effort, for your endeavour, to lose those... Uh, barometers to an Unai Emery team it's unforgivable and it and it's terminal yeah uh, and uh, it's hard to even call it a collapse because I feel like we were we were never we we never even stood up it's like the almost like the worse than the capitulation of the Super League 
so um yeah I, I i don't think he's got i don't think he's got a way out of this um uh you know this is going to weigh on Vinay as well because Vinay is doing a, a terrible job with the money of the Cronkies when there's not a lot of it and um, I, I just have so much dread about the bad ideas Arteta you know if Arteta was um, was controlled and told we're going to hire in young players that you're going to grow um, I'd be excited about that sort of structure but I bet you the plan this summer is going to be a whole bunch of expensive players, 27-28, because Arteta thinks that experience is what's going to get him through. And I think, I, I just feel that it's going to be a, a wasted summer. Like, I think that we should start again. Um, I'd, I, it'd be, it's going to be a very interesting few weeks to see how quick they come to a decision. But the, the worst thing for all of us is what comes next. Edu choosing the next manager, it, it, he's, an, he's a guy with no idea, no vision. And um, I, I, I'm deeply, deeply worried for the future of Arsenal Football Club after today and uh, and seeing how this season's finally ended. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about who's going to pick the next manager, I think you're looking at Vinay will ultimately have the big call. Yes, Edu will obviously have some input as well. But between Vinay and Edu and whatever way that shakes out in the kind of pie chart of responsibility... The fact is, is they they are seriously on the hot seat now because they've made two poor appointments. And when your credibility as a CEO or a technical director um, have seen you, obviously um, Edu didn't appoint Emery, but Vinay was around for that. And at this point, all fans will be questioning whether, um, because it's not just Arteta's judgment that's getting called into question. It's obviously those above him because he didn't employ himself. And I think that one of the biggest things, when we talk about, um, you know, some open goal mistakes for Arteta, like even if, you know, you weren't necessarily Martinelli's biggest fan, for instance, playing him, just at the very least for the optics, rewarding players that try and stuff. These are the open goals that we talk about. Well, for Vinay, I don't... When you've made two bad managerial appointments, the worst thing he could do is to double down on the second of those managerial appointments and try to convince the fan base that, you know, he's basically pissing on our head and telling us it's raining. You know, at the end of the day, everyone, I think, in large part, will have checked out with the Arteta project. And I I don't mean there will be some that still support him, but definitely in the minority at this stage, because most of us have eyes and can can plot a graph. And, um, you know, I think... At this stage, one of the only open goals for Vinay is to sack a manager at the end of a god-awful season and at least demonstrate that there will be some level of accountability at Arsenal. Because otherwise, if you just trudge along, scared to fire a manager because you're worried about getting it wrong again, then you're highlighting yourself as obsolete in your job as a CEO We've got an obsolete director of football and therefore an, a, a, an obsolete manager who needs sacking. Yeah, your job as the CEO is to see into the future and protect your organisation. And I don't think Vinay has got that capability, sadly. But I, I know one thing that anybody who worked under Ivan Gazidis has, it's a sense of self-preservation. And uh, if, you, if, if you could guarantee anything with Gazidis, it was that he would always protect himself. And I suspect that Vinay is probably a little bit worried about um, 
about his future and he will never get a job um, at a club this big ever again. He has to find some success somewhere. So hopefully, um, hopefully it's swift. Like everybody, um, everybody makes bad decisions. Um, good ideas turn bad. The, the art of good leadership is uh, admitting when you are wrong and moving quickly and effectively to, to course correct. And, uh, you know, what are we in May now? There's a few games left of the season. Um, they could move quickly. I, they've got to have, they've got to have managerial names lined up. You can't yeah. have gone through December without thinking who comes in to replace this shit show. And now we're in shit show number two. Hopefully they've got a, a good idea of, of, of how they want to fix it, but it's got to go beyond Arteta. It's got to go beyond Arteta. It's not just him that has been part of this mess. And we need to get experience in the system and we need to build a good structure for the next manager to, to thrive. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the names that I heard banded around, it, it, you know, it's just in that silly season rumour mill, you know, at this stage. Obviously, Arteta's still in the job currently anyway, but Maurizio Sari was a name I heard floating around the internet the other day. And I mean, you know, I think there are some bits on his CV that would look well, but even even I think there was a few like you know like racist comments on stuff like that you know I don't I don't want coaches that are a little bit homophobic as well homophobic a little homophobic, bit homophobic you know? yep like I don't like when we talk about protecting the values of Arsenal we don't want you know these dirty scoundrels who's been around the place and then had you know um controversy tarnishing their leg we don't need that the fact is is I would much rather if we were, you know, just to throw the names out, we talked about a Graham Potter mould yep. manager than someone like Asari smoking 20 a day, making obscene comments. Like, no, let's let's just, like, do some proper thinking about where, you know, ha- how we're going to move to the next stage and who would be the best people to help get us there and then make those appointment, appointments in swift fashion like a big club would do. Start acting like it if we believe that we are. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like The, the idea of Arsenal hiring in a manager with uh, racist comments to his name, homophobic, homophobic comments, and just the grimness of watching someone chain smoke on a touchline <laughs> in 2021, I, I don't think that suits us. Um, but it's going to be a difficult decision who they hire in. You've got to be able to manage egos. You've got to have a good vision for how football is played. You've got to have um, experience. And yeah, Matt's point is right. You do you do have to be able to excite the fans. And I don't know, make, like Potter is a good coach, and um, I think he's got good credentials. Works on a budget. Has worked at very difficult clubs in the past and done pretty well. Um, but. I don't know whether he's right for the fans. Like, I, I think maybe we need a, a bigger name and maybe these players need a, a bigger name. And I, I imagine a name that's going to come right back into the mixer is Rafa Benitez. I think so. Um, and I'm not averse to it, you know, but I know some people will be, you know, hammering home the fact it will feel like a step backwards. But I think he ticks a lot of the boxes of what will be required in the short term, at least, at Arsenal. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing... I don't see it necessarily as such a bad thing if we move on from Arteta and set this as a precedent. Like, if if our, you know, non-negotiables as a club are, you can't have the worst start to a season in 50 years, I don't think that's too much to ask a coach to come in and just go, listen, 
I know it's your first day and everything. Just to let you know, though, if you have the worst start to a season in 50 years, you're going to get sacks. I don't think anyone could go, oh, that's a bit unfair. That's that's the standards nowadays, okay? Bearing in mind that in those 50 years, we were pretty shit for some of that. You know, like, we, you've got to be really shit. And, and at the end of the day, I think um, look, anyone who falls below our standards that we set for ourselves as a club should not be given free reign to continue in the post. At the end of the day, if we managed eventually to get rid of Wenger, even after he was serving up top fours every year, but really had no, for me, ideas or vision how to take us to the next level, it got completely stale, then what we can't have is any other manager with nowhere near the kind of um, love and adoration from the Arsenal fans that Wenger had, um, staying in a post when they're not showing that they are at an elite level um, in terms of managerial thinking and outlook uh, and, you know, kind of methods to take us to the next level. We should demand better. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree with all that. I think the Chelsea, Chelsea don't have an ideal model for managers, but they often try things. You know, they tried Frank Lampard like we tried Arteta. But when it yeah. went wrong, they got rid of him quickly um, and found someone new. They've tried Vias Boas, uh, another young manager in his early 30s, and they got rid of him when it went wrong. And Arsenal need to sort of get into that routine. If you've, if you've made a mistake, if it's not working out, um, and you think you've given that manager the best possible chance, uh, move on and try something different. Like, you'll get it yeah. right in the end. Exactly, exactly. And look at Liverpool at the end of the day. They had a bunch of managers, you know, and some of them you know, give you a bit of success along the way, including a Rafa Benitez or a Gerard Houllier uh, at some point. They'll, they'll, they'll splutter a few trophies your way on the, on the search to find your crop. And then eventually, even after a long period of time, that, that manager, if they're right, will get you back to the places that you want to be. But, you know, as much as we not Liverpool fans for banging on about titles that were won when, it, you know, TVs were black and white, they never stopped believing that that's where the club should be. It should be winning trophies, even when they were knocking about with Jimmy Traore playing and, and, and people like that. They were like, we should be challenging for a title. And the fact is, is you will get given what the fans accept. And we should not accept this level of mediocrity. We are a much bigger club than what we're currently serving up. We're hugely underperforming. Even though the players, a lot of them, some of them will need to be replaced. The idea that we've got some, you know, shocking squad is just not true. He's just not getting enough out of them. There are some players that are actually good players that just don't fit what is being attempted here. There seems to be a a negative culture at the club, not just in terms of, you know, when a manager gets in trouble, but there is a weak mentality that has been festering at the club, which only Arsenal fans will fully understand through seeing, which has been there for, you know, a very long time now, you know, years and years and years where when it comes to crunch moments save a few performances in the FA Cup finals or or last year's little run we will mostly bottle it we do have a fragile temperament and that comes from the top down yeah it does it does so um a bit of a miserable podcast I feel like there's not a lot uh not a lot of joy for people to um to to take away and normally we have some ounce of positivity but I guess the 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 crash of a vision is uh is always difficult to take but you know uh, this is Arsenal we're a massive club we will 
emerge out the other side at some point. It's just um, the, the hope that it's just the hope that we could have a bit of competent leadership at Arsenal. Um, I just uh, I just don't see where that's coming. Um, Johnny, um, thank you for joining for such a, a rough podcast. I really appreciate your time. Do you want to tell people about uh, where they can listen to a more joyous podcast? Yeah, yeah, a more joyous one. Uh, a more joyous podcast will be the How's Your Father podcast, which is a podcast I do, which is centered around fatherhood. Um, it's, you know, it's it's just um, kind of easy, free-flowing chats around kind of parental experiences. Um, this week we had on Marlon Davis, and he's absolutely hysterical, uh, talking about how his teenage son has banned him from going on TikTok and said that he's not of the generation. He needs to stick to Facebook. Some great little, great little um, anecdotes there. Um, but yeah, you can find it, the How's Your Father podcast, where you find all your podcasts. Uh, check it out. Some really, yeah, great apps in there. And uh, I'd appreciate it if you gave it a listen. Awesome. Uh, so uh, on that note, if you're listening to this, you don't, I don't deserve a five-star rating this week. So don't don't <laughs> worry about that. You can be like Roger from last week. Leave a, leave, leave a negative comment about how I have fooled you with a, with a bad idea. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, I think that I don't even care about the Premier League for the rest of the season, but maybe we'll come back with a different sort of podcast where we talk about, um, uh, you know, a, a more structured vision of what the future of Arsenal could be. But on that note, thank you for listening. Sorry about tonight and ciao for now. your favorite shows movies live sports breaking news exclusive originals and every live wwe pay-per-view it's the office chrisley knows best and peacock original shows like funky brewster peacock watch for free upgrade for more stream now at peacocktv.com sports social podcast network